So, you really want to know what women do, say and think the way that we do, huh? Well, fasten your seatbelts and let's get... She said what? Started with your host, Alan Newman Jr. Good evening, how everybody is doing out there on the She Said What? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy Wednesday, happy hump day. Of course, I'm your host, Alan Newman, Jr. I am actually super excited for the conversation that we're going to have tonight. Um, But before I introduce my guest and the topic for tonight, um, I just want to remind everyone who is listening, this show is all about the female's perspective and just what needs to be said to help build healthier relationships and bridge the communication between men and women. If you are a business owner or entrepreneur looking for the right network to air your services or products, I have just the place for you. Send your inquiry to ads at hesaidwhatnetwork.com, and we'll hook you up and tell our global listeners all about what you have to offer. Now, also, if you are listening on our He Said What Network and you want to leave a comment, just type in in the comment section, and we'll read it across the air. For those that want to call in, you can dial 515-602-9647 and press the number 1 so that I'll be able to acknowledge that you want to get on the, on the air and speak with us directly. Now, without further ado, it is with great pleasure for you to introduce my guest for tonight, Amanda. Amanda, how are you doing on today? I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you for being a part of the show. It is a pleasure to have you here. We talked in the background for those who are listening. Um, I'm excited for this topic. I know Amanda is definitely going to have some good insight as well. Tonight's topic, fellas, ladies, we are talking about communication, greatest fears when dealing with men. Now, those who are familiar with the He Said What Network and familiar with She Said What, you know on Tuesdays we have He Said What, with Bree, and they had the same topic on yesterday, and the dialogue was very interesting and very enlightening. So I'm looking forward to seeing what we're going to have tonight with Amanda. So, Amanda, before we get into the nitty-gritty of this topic, I want to start off with a lot of, a lot of our viewers. Um, you know, I think about a week or so ago, there was a video that went live of a woman who shared a video of a man's reaction after she had rejected um, his advances. He went to his car, pulled his gun out on her, um, and threatened her. So, with this topic saying women's greatest fears when dealing with men, Amanda, have you or any of the, anybody in your circle ever dealt with perceived violence or attempted violence towards you rejecting their advances? Oh, for sure. Um, you know, personally, I have had, you know, a few moments, but I thankfully am, I'm pretty confident. Um, I'm also a bigger girl. I've always been a bigger girl. And um, I kind of was always the designated fat friend just by chance, and I always had the mm-hmm. the prettier, you know, skinnier, you know, friends that would often get advances and really creepy, inappropriate advances. And I had mm-hmm. no problem shutting that down um, to the point that often my female friends would get upset, like, oh, you don't know, maybe they were just trying to be nice. And I think that says something to how sometimes we're socialized as women, Right. We're socialized Mm -hmm. to be polite. We're socialized to, you know, not anger or upset. Yet that's kind of shifting. Right. We're shifting into this newer paradigm Mm -hmm. where women are saying, no, I've had enough. I have every right to set a boundary. I have every right to feel safe and be able to go out and enjoy my life and not be harassed, not be bothered. And some men aren't ready for that. They aren't quite sure what to do with that as women Mm -hmm kind of find their voices and speak up and say no and aren't quote-unquote so polite right anymore mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. yeah I've had plenty of men that kind of didn't know what to do with me but mm-hmm. it's like I we I don't have to be polite to you I owe you nothing I don't mm-hmm. know you mm-hmm. you're violating boundaries you're violating space and safety and mm-hmm. safety is a basic human right it's the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And if somebody's going to encroach on personal safety for myself or other female friends, I'm not having it. And I shut that down pretty quickly. Now I'm living in Portland, Oregon, 
we are, things here are getting kind of out of hand. Gun violence is at an all-time high. We also have record Mm. high houselessness and other, you know, things that come with being in an urban area. And I'm a single female. I live alone. So I have a 110-pound Akita. That's my line of defense. But there's still moments where, you know, scary things happen. I, two weeks ago, had a gentleman show up at my door. When I shook my head no through the window, like I'm not answering my door, he stood and stared at my house for a good minute or two. And then when he finally went away, he kind of looked back as he was driving away as if to say, like, I'll be back, right? That menacing, like, you know. So there's a lot of things that we as women have to deal with on all different levels. But now to fear having guns pulled on us when we're out just trying to enjoy a night with friends, that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. 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 Wow. L- listening to that, it- it's funny because I feel like, and I know a lot of our listeners who are listening in um, could probably attest to the same thing. I have a lot of female friends and associates that have similar stories in regards to that. And it makes it really difficult for a lot of them to want to be approached um, outside in public or outside at events because you don't um, you don't know if your life is going to be in danger based on your response. Um, it, it just recently I was having a conversation with some friends about that, and literally a friend of mine was like, well, Alan, I mean, we got fears too. And I had to check him. I said, bruh, not once have I ever went somewhere in fear of my life that a woman was going to kill me or that a woman was going to beat me up or that a woman was going to kidnap right. me or a woman was going to sexually assault me because I said no to her. I've never, I've never, I've never had that thought. I, I have a fear of getting hit by a car before I have a fear of a woman doing something to me to cause harm to my body. So it's, it's very interesting because you are correct. The way times are changing, the way um, women are out there more, um, we as a society has been, has been built in a way that women are just supposed to submit without any question. Yep. If a guy says something, you're just supposed to have your head bowed and be like, oh, yeah, whatever. And that and that's not the case, especially if you haven't done anything to deserve that level of submit or respect. Um, and right. equally, even if you're demanding respect as a man, you still have to give respect to a woman. Like, she still deserves respect at the end of the day. Um, so hearing that, it, it it is wild because it's, it's not far-fetched. Like, I have a sister. I have a mom. I have um, cousins, and I've always thought about that with my sister when she starts dating. So I'm like, yo, I really don't want to have to have that situation where she calls me saying this guy is doing this and she's got this guy is doing that or this guy is fine. Like, you literally have to play those scenarios in your head on how to handle it. Now, Amanda, when it comes to that, what is like how for us as men, because, of course, I know a lot of my listeners are saying, well, you know what, I'm the nice guy. I'm not that guy. So what as men, what can we do to make you guys feel, to alleviate the pressure or the fear that you may have in us approaching you? Should we, I tend to tell people, try to, try, if you approach a woman, approach her in an area where she feels safe. Approach her in an area where there's a, plenty of witnesses that she doesn't feel like she will be harmed. But unfortunately, like that video that we talked about, that was in a public forum, and he went and got his gun. Um, so right. for us as men, what what can we do to help alleviate the fear or pressure that you may feel when it comes to us approaching you guys or advancing to you guys, um, whether as a friendship or speaking as a romantic in, um, romantic partnership? So the first thing that came to mind is the phrase, read the room, right? Mm-hmm. So start kind of like stop and pause and kind of read the situation. You know, what is her body language telling you? Is she got her arms crossed? Is she, you know, is she engaged with friends in conversation and laughter? And that kind of looks like it's a closed bubble. Or are, you know, are you in a parking garage and she's alone and she's hustling to her car? You know, like, mm-hmm. it's probably not the best place to try to holler at somebody. Because uh, exactly. her immediate response is going to be, this person has possibly the intention of causing me harm. You know, I mean, how many of us women walk with our keys or pepper spray or something at the ready to defend ourselves mm-hmm. as we're walking alone in the dark to our cars or not even in the dark anymore, any time of day, you know, I'm very yeah, cognizant yeah. of where I park my car when I go anywhere. Um, you know, like I said, I have my dog and he goes with me a lot of places, but when he can't go with me, that anxiety levels 10 times, a hundred times higher. And so it's like, okay, I'm going to park where it's well lit or where it's easy access from car to the place and back. Um, 
So just kind of read the room. You know, is is mm-hmm. it in a situation where, you know, are you going to be backing her into a corner? Are you, you know, does she have an escape route if you know she needs one? Um, and I kind of say that with a little bit of a laugh, you know, to my voice, but it's true because so many times it feels like men are kind of oblivious, right? They see what they want. They see a pretty woman. They want to go talk to her and everything else fades away. And that's where it's like, you know, if she is consoling a crying friend, she's Mm -hmm. not going to have time for you right then and there. Right. Um, if they're, you know, just like I said, read the room. Because if she's out with her girlfriends and they're all dressed to the nines and they look like they're scoping the room, those are women that are probably more open to being approached. But again, if she's, mm-hmm. you know, in a deep conversation with a girlfriend, it's just the two of them, you know, they tuck themselves away, you know, in a corner, probably not wanting to be, you're going to need to change up your game, right? And how you approach them. Maybe mm-hmm. that's where you, like, send a, a drink or, like, ask the waiter to go see if they can take a drink order for them, right? Never, like, assume and yeah. send the drink. I always culture of consent, right? Mm-hmm, <laughs> like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, start to think about those mm-hmm. things when you go to make that approach, and just again putting yourself in that woman's shoes. You know, if you were sitting there consoling a buddy who just had a loss, or his wife left him, or something horrible happened, you know, how interruptible mm-hmm. are you? If you mm-hmm. are literally backed into a corner and you can't get away, how receptive are you going to be to being approached? You know, those kinds of things. Exactly. So that you can kind of assess the situation. Because I think that's where, you know, we as women, we're constantly doing that. Not only for our mm-hmm. own safety, but just because of how we're hardwired. Because literally there's parts of our brain that are bigger that do those kinds of things just by nature. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And we also are better at reading and using facial expressions, paralanguage, which is mm-hmm. tone, pitch, speed of speaking. We also take up space differently we are kind of hardwired to like take up as much or take up as little space as possible. And men are very good at like man spreading and yeah. taking up much more space, which can That's be very intimidating fact, yeah. to women. And, you know, like how close women and men are like differs and how comfortable you are in getting close in conversations. So just kind of taking those things into consideration as you approach someone um, would be my best recommendation. And you and and I appreciate it, man. As a matter of fact, we just had a, a listener say someone running up to you like they're going to kidnap you. Only say it's a prank. Since when was that funny? Um, talking about how pranks right. are now. We've been in a society where social media you're looking for clickbait, where people have done these elaborate pranks, and then you come to find out it was not real, but it's like real real scenarios. I think a couple of years ago there was the whole clown prank where people was running up on people in garages dressed up as. Um, Clown, the clown from it, yes. and stuff like that, and and you don't realize this causes real life trauma for a lot of people, and and like you said, when it comes to men and women, it adds anxiety for women, because um, first of all, right. you're all, especially if it's at night, you're already a woman. A, if you're by yourself, that adds to it, and then anxiety. If there's any trauma, anything that's ever triggers you, now you're dealing with all of that on top of you. Then you have a total stranger who just comes out the car out the out the woodworks and just try to scare the hell out of you. Um, right. That adds to a lot of issues. And I like what um, you were saying about how reading the room, um, and I think one of the biggest issues men have with reading, reading the room is we're quick to tell women to smile if they're not smiling. Don't look me. Yes. Not uh, realizing half, half the time most women are thinking about something else. They're not even thinking about you at the moment. Um, and – I had to learn that. And it's, it's, I think what baffles me with the issues that women are dealing with with stuff like this, this is stuff that, as I feel, men and fellas, if you're listening, you can definitely call in at 515-602-9647 and press the number one and give me your take on it. But if you – for me, when I was younger, that's when I was learning all those cues. Now, granted, it could be different because of the way my mother – taught me in regards to handling women and the way my dad talked to me. So I, I know how you raise can play a part. But even right. if they're not there to teach you, I feel like as you're growing up, as we're becoming young adults, you should be paying attention to cues. Now, I do understand we live in a male-dominated society where, unfortunately, it's felt that men are right no matter if they're wrong or not. And so we're always like, well, if this is how he feels, this is how it should go, which isn't the case. 
So then my question for you, Amanda, when it comes to that, do you think the way they're raised plays a part in it or the way society coddles men to feel like they can have their way on certain stuff? Because like you said, when you're saying read the room, if you see that her body language isn't giving like she wants to be approached, why in your mind do you still think you should approach her? Um, and I think a good one is, oh, if someone is crying, you approach her while she's consoling her friend. Like, why? Like, she, she's not even paying you any attention. So what do you right. think has caused that for us in the society to be wired that way? Do you think it's because of how we're raised or just the way society coddles us as men? And I know some of the men are going to be like, Alan, I don't think we get coddled. But when you look at situations like this, that's when I look at it and say we do get coddled about some, some, uh, something. Well, and I wouldn't even call it coddled. It's just the norm. The norm, like right now, and we're seeing a shift. You know, we just, I don't know how into astrology you are. I'll try to keep some of that to myself. But, like, we just entered the age of Aquarius, right? And some of that's going to bring mm-hmm. some paradigm shifting. And the paradigm shifting mm-hmm. that we're seeing, the old paradigm was rooted in very masculine traits, patriarchy, misogyny, those things that instead of, I wouldn't call it coddling, but just normalized and made that masculine socialization the norm. It made mm-hmm. it acceptable, right? So unless somebody grew up in a house full of women that taught them otherwise, right, that's just how they yeah. were socialized. We see it in media. We see it in everything. It shows up everywhere. Mm-hmm. So many ways that it's just so pervasive that there's no escaping it unless, again, in your home, how you're raised pushes back against that normal socialization happening in our patriarchal misogynistic society Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. my difference Mm -hmm. is i was a daddy's girl and a grandpa's girl okay so for the first few years of my life i grew up around masculine energy hence why i have Mm -hmm. no problem shutting a man down and like standing (laughs) up and kind of holding my ground because i Mm -hmm. i was taught that i didn't have to put up with that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. yet at the same time there was this other side where I would watch my grandpa and my grandma, like, and they, they, they didn't have the best relationship, right? My dad mm-hmm. and my mom didn't always have the best relationship. So I did watch these relationships where there was abuse and these things happening. And so I watched my grandma kind of submit to some of it. My mom kind of submit to it. But then my mom took a stand at one point and actually separated from my dad for a while, right? So I watched this woman kind mm-hmm. of stand up and say, no more. Like, I'm not going to mm-hmm. put up with being treated this way. I'm not going to put up with your crap and they were able to reconcile and spent the rest of, you know, they were together until my dad passed away. And so I kind of got both sides of it, right? Like I got the masculine energy from my grandpa and my dad and kind of got told to like, not, you know, put up with that and stand up for myself while at the same time watching Mm -hmm. them perpetuate that patriarchal, misogynistic, abusive BS. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, this is really quite confusing. But I think mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what matters most is, again, how you're nurtured. And I read a great book many, many years ago because I used to nanny and teach preschool and do a lot of that kind of early childhood and family work. And inevitably, okay. I always ended up with families of boys. And oh. I found this book called Raising Cain. And it's all about the emotional life of boys and, like, helping young boys be raised with mm-hmm. more emotional intelligence and kind of gain some of those skills because that's often what we lack in our society is that Mm -hmm. emotional intelligence, those kind of feminine traits as they've been dubbed, right? Which then makes them Mm -hmm. things that we don't, Oh no, we don't want our boys to feel that way or have those, you know, display those traits. And so, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, as we shift into this new paradigm and see more people, you know, gaining more and more awareness around emotional intelligence and, like, communication styles and bringing that into the homes more, hopefully. Um, you know, I know plenty of people raising amazing young men that um, are very different than, you mm-hmm. know, 20, 40 years ago. So oh, I think yeah. a lot of it has to do with, you know, just we need to shift society and what society says, okay, so that when – a man is turned down by a woman in society, he, okay, I, I was turned down, I'm going to walk away, versus going to his trunk mm-hmm. and pulling a gun. And then well, having him think exactly. that, that that's okay, right? Exactly. And that's, exactly, exactly. That's where society has led us. And we're, I'm hoping that change, that shift into the new paradigm continues because that new paradigm is going to honor 
and respect a lot more of the feminine traits and it's based mm-hmm. more in like cooperation and collaboration versus control and dominance and hierarchy. So that's where I hope we continue to move as a society because um, I think we'd see a shift in, I mean, if we want to look at a family system, right, or even just a systems perspective, I think that mm-hmm. if we saw that shift in our society, it would change how things are done in school, especially like oh yeah, you walk into any school detention room or disciplinary room, how many of the students in that room are men or male versus female? Probably 80 to 90%, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. How many people, like our incarceration rates, all those things, right? So I, we want this shift in our society, and we want this shift in our society not only for the safety of women, but just for the well-being and the betterment of our humanity. Yeah, yeah, man. Wow. You you hit so much on that topic um, for this. Um, once again, for those who are listening, um, you can call in at 515-602-9647 to speak to Amanda and myself as we talk about greatest fears when dealing with men. If you're um, listening off of the He Said What radio network, um, that's he said what network.com. You can type in your comment in there, and we'll read that on the air. Um, Amanda, the dialogue and the information you gave, it's so important and it's so true. Um, I do have a question. Piggyback off in because you were talking about the dynamics of your mom and your grandmother and your father and your grand- grandfather. Um, my question to you would be, uh, why do some women who go through abuse stay because of fear of being – wait, I'm sorry – do some women stay in an abusive relationship because of fear of being alone? Um, and the only reason why I ask that question is at my second job this past weekend, we had a domestic um, disturbance, and it was a husband who's had a history of beating his wife, was beating his wife that particular day. And when um, our security told the wife that they were going to call the police, she immediately backed down and said, no, it's my fault, it's my fault, don't call the police, don't call the police. Um, and they ended up not calling the police. Um, even though she said he's been doing it for years. So what is it? Is being alone is being alone that scary for some women that they'll be willing to want to stay in an abusive relationship, or is it some other dynamic that caused them to want to stay? There's some kind of codependency that's been established, whether it's that power dynamic, right, that he's convinced her that yes. she absolutely needs him to survive. It can be a financial right, that she has no idea mm-hmm. how she's going to survive financially or she doesn't have the financial means to leave. Um, it can be that internal programming that she doesn't feel like she's worthy of anything different, that that's her lived normal and that's what she deserves, which is absolutely heartbreaking to me. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it can be, like, it, it has just gone on long enough and that's their normal, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for my grandpa and my grandma, you know, they – they were having it out in in their late 70s, early 80s, and we they actually mm-hmm. spent their last years separated with my grandpa living in a wow. hotel and then the nursing home because we had mm-hmm. to sit them down, my brother and I, because my dad was with, away with my mom getting cancer treatment, and we had to sit them down and explain to them that the laws in Montana had changed and that if there was mm-hmm. a call made for domestic violence, someone automatically gets arrested. Mm-hmm. And so, and my grandparents were very much the prim and proper small town people that you didn't get your name mm-hmm. in the paper unless it was for something good. You know, you didn't want uh, your gotcha. name in the paper mm-hmm. if it was, you know, for anything something that bad. could be seen as a, a hit to the character, right? And mm-hmm. um, so we kind of, and my grandpa, I just remember him kind of like, oh, don't come here and tell me what to do. And it's like, I'm just simply explaining to you. Like, I know that a value of yours is, like, keeping your name out the paper. Like, if you want to keep your name out mm-hmm. the paper, keep your hands off of grandma. See, somebody's going to go to jail exactly. if this continues. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, things did escalate, and he did have to leave, and my grandma got a restraining order. But how sad is that that that's, you know, what had to unfold in, again, their late 70s, early 80s. And... Mm-hmm. Um, it's just this, it just shows that even after decades, right? And they mm-hmm. stayed together because mm-hmm. they had assets. They had the ranch. They yeah. built the ranch together. And so my grandma wasn't about to let go of those assets. She'd worked hard in building yeah. that ranch. She wasn't going to just walk away. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, state law, certain states, 
if a couple splits, the state comes in and decides who gets what for assets and the state, you know, how the estate goes. So, you know, for some folks, it, it does come down to those financial means. Um, for some, it's a sense of worth. And for some, there has been that codependency built in, whether that started in childhood, you know, maybe they had a narcissistic or abusive parent, and that's their mm-hmm. pattern, their lived pattern, and they need someone or something to come in and break that pattern and show them that that's possible. Okay. And, and that's very, very true because, I mean, even uh, my dad um, and my mom had were married before he passed for 38 years uh, last year. And I even saw, I, I really want to say, and, and my fellas can chime in, to me personally, Amanda, and you can let me know how you feel, I, at some aspects of the way men interact in relationships, I wonder if it, we refuse to acknowledge change. And when I say refuse to acknowledge change, my dad was born in the 50s. So, of course, he was raised on what the man says go. He's the head of the house. He's running this. He's doing this. He's doing that. And I know when he even acknowledged when him, he first married my mom, he, he would tell us all the time, the first two years he gave mom absolute hell because he didn't fully understand the value of her as a woman and the value of her as a wife because he was trying to base it on the way his parents were. Um, and in that house, um, my grandfather rarely said anything. Um, our grandma rarely said anything. It was whatever he said in the back room went. And I, I feel like what helped me in my developing on dealing with women is I watched how my dad ended up adjusting and evolving dealing with my mom because I used to laugh and tell people, my mom, and my dad used to say, he was like, your mother is the most married single woman I've ever seen before because she, she she's married, but she's walking like she's single. Um, and not walking like she's single in a bad way. She just she was very independent. She was used to doing things and not having to depend on anybody besides her father. And that dynamic changed when she met my dad. But it showed me how he actually took the time to evolve and realize I don't have to breathe down her neck all the time. I don't have to have say over everything. I don't have to lord over her. And sometimes I wonder, do we as men, we have this whole mindset in society that it's a king in his castle that we feel like we're supposed right. to be lording over the women that are in our lives which can translate negatively, especially if your kids see that, um, and then they go into relationships and you're trying to dominate somebody's daughter. Um, and the last thing you want to do is if you go for the wrong person's daughter, next thing you know that dad is probably coming at you upside your head for how you're coming at his daughter. Um, but it, it's just very interesting how the dynamics are changing. Um, but sometimes I wonder, are, are men a little insecure? We as men, because I'll put myself in that same bubble, are we insecure with the way dynamics are changing and feel like we're, we're losing control of the narrative or the perceived narrative that we think should be bestowed upon us when it comes to relationships with the opposite sex? You know, I'm hopeful, um, even though I'm currently avoiding relationships like plague. <laughs> but I am hopeful that there are more men out there that are seeing that, seeing partnerships as a way to, instead of having the king in his castle, right, and women mm-hmm. be property, that mm-hmm. you can still be a king, but I hope you're looking for that queen to build an empire with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I think mm-hmm. more and more women, where the shift is really happening, is more and more women, we are recognizing that we are queen, that we are yeah. of value, we are not property, we are not a prize mm-hmm. to be, you know, bought and sold we are way worth way more we're not just a commodity (laughs) and um we're out there building our own empires and so we are kind of demanding that men bring a little bit more to the table and so you know like (laughs) you i'm over here building my empire if you want to like come on this ride that's fine but you better bring a lot to the table and be busy building your own empire too because you don't get to ride on my coattails. You don't get to tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that's where the shift is happening is more in women are saying, no, I'm not like, I'm not going to go put on an apron and make sure your dinner's on the table by six o'clock and have that be my sole focus. I'm going to mm-hmm. be a multifaceted human being and I'm going to be able to do all, you know, whether it is wife, mother, homemaker and career, you know, like we're, we're pretty badass as women. We take on quite a bit, exactly. for you, but 
we're putting up with a lot less as well. <laughs> so mm-hmm. and, and I think that, that's, that's where the shift is happening is that we're a lot, you know, we're not putting up with as much. And so if men want to partner up and find a quality woman, they got to step up their game and they got to bring a little bit more to the table and they need to recognize that they aren't just kings of the castle, that there's a lot of us queens out there that are looking for somebody to build an empire with and that it's not going to be one over the other. There's no hierarchy involved. We're at a round table and, like, we're going to make sure each other eats. We're going to make sure each other's taken care of. We're going to, you know, do this together versus anything hierarchical or one more important than the other. Gotcha, gotcha. Appreciate that take, Amanda. So um, we're actually going getting ready to cut to a commercial break um, right now. Um, here on She Said What, we I'm here with Amanda as we're talking about greatest fears when dealing with men. So after this brief commercial break, we'll be back, and we'll continue to back up, uh, piggyback off of this paradigm shift with women standing their ground and how it's shifting change in relationship dynamics. So we'll be back in a few minutes. What's up? This one, Mike from Simply Sports, and you're tuned in to the He Said What Radio Network. Because it seems like as soon as you hear the word, what do you bring to the table, 
my fellow brothers, and I'm not going to lie, I used to be like this way when I was younger. Like, it's like, what you mean what I bring to the table? I bring this, I bring that. I bring, what do you bring to the table? And not realizing everyone should be bringing something to the table at the end of the day. Right. Everyone should be. Um, it's just ironic how when you hear that, what do you bring to the table, we as men tend to have that victim mentality about why you're concerned about what I bring to the table. But I feel like it's something and that I, needs to be discussed. No, go ahead, Amanda. Well, I don't blame them. I don't blame them at all because a lot, like, I've known plenty of gold-digging women that are just looking to use men for what they can mm-hmm. get out of them. So I don't blame them, right? There is that. And then there's women like myself that it's like, no, my house is bought and paid for. My car is bought and paid for. I pay my own bills. I have my own business. Mm-hmm. I'm doing my own thing. So what are you doing? <laughs> like, like, are mm-hmm. you going to end up needing to crash on my couch? Am I going to end up paying your cell phone? Like, <laughs> where is this going to go? Yeah. Right? Like, I just, mm-hmm. like, I'm taking care of me. So what are you doing to take care of you? And then what can we, like, what do you bring to the table to me means, you know, like, people talk about love languages, right? So, like, mm-hmm. I think that's something that we often kind of miss in really, like, what do you bring to the table as far as, like, what are your needs? What are your wants? Mm-hmm. What are your desires? What are your deepest dreams? What are your goals? Do you have room for somebody else that has big goals and dreams? How do you see yourself collaborating with a partner? How do you see yourself, mm-hmm. you know, if the world all falls down? You know, because, and I wish I would have known, had this wisdom, you know, 20 years ago when I was in a, starting a serious relationship that did go to engagement and then fell apart because I didn't know how to ask those questions. And instead we had to kind of live them and in your 20s, that's fine. But, you know, I had a summer job that was supposed to turn into a permanent um, position. It didn't. So I was unemployed. Mm-hmm. So my fiance kind of had to take on the brunt of the, the bills. And he got resentful, and it started to take a hit. Well, then I got in a car accident. So I was out of mm. car, and my dad was diagnosed with cancer. I had to go home for a couple weeks and help out my family, and so I couldn't find a job right away. Um, like, there were all these things, right, that kind of all happened in a short period of time that put a lot of strain on us because we hadn't mm-hmm. talked about those kinds of things. And, like, if I can't step up, how are you going to step up? Like, that's what I mean when mm-hmm. you talk about, like, what do you bring to the table? Is mm-hmm. where where are you going to, like, step up if I have to step back and vice versa? You know? And yeah. because I'm, you know, and I I think more and more couples are getting rid of, like, the gender role stereotypes, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm happy. Like, I'm if I'm going to partner with somebody, I want somebody that's just as happy to cook as they are to do the dishes. Right? Because I have nights where I want to cook and I have nights where I don't want to cook. And I can throw down in the kitchen, mm-hmm. I can throw down on the grill, but like sometimes I, I, I don't want that job. Um, <laughs> same with laundry, same with anything else, right? Like I, I think more and more folks are looking for the breaking away from the gender stereotypes, the gender norms, and just want more equity in that partnership and conversation around what that looks like. So for me, when I say they've got to bring a lot to the table, it's mm-hmm. they've got to be ready to have those conversations. They they've got to be taking care of themselves because I'm over here taking mm-hmm. care of myself. And mm-hmm. then how do we take care of each other together as a couple and move forward? I, I like that take. I like that take, and I and that that is something that I think, unfortunately, a lot of us don't learn until later in life. Which I'm starting to know if that's a trend with a lot of us is those questions that you should be asking. When you're dating, you're not asking those questions until you probably got burned so many times that now um, I kind of chuckled to myself when you had said that right now you kind of avoid dating it like the plague. Because ironically, when you, <laughs> when, you, when you figure out your worth and what you want to do in life, like now you have little patience for anything crazy. Like if, you, if you're about right. to come in and flip my world upside down, not for the better, yeah, I'll rather – I'll flip my house upside down by myself. I'll, I don't need you here exactly. to add to that at all. <laughs> <laughs> so when you said that earlier before the break, that definitely made me laugh because it, it's very true. Like, I'm not about to have you cause all this commotion and stuff when I can do it by myself, and at least I know I'm, exactly. I'm the reason for it, not because of you. Um, and, and with that, Amanda, I do have a question because um, you're saying about have, having to communicate, 
making sure that you're setting the correct expectations towards each other when you're talking about what you bring to the table. Um, do you believe, like, if you articulate what you need to say to us as men, do you feel like we won't understand because of our inability to relate as a woman? Because I do have some friends of mine that are women that say, well, I just feel like men just aren't going to understand because they're not, they're not me. They're not a woman, so they're not going to get it. Do you think that's a realistic fear, or do you think women are not giving men enough space to actually show that they can understand without being a man? I'm sorry, without um, being a woman. It's, it's a realistic fear, and part of that is honestly based in biology. Our brains okay. are different. There are parts of women's mm-hmm. brains that are bigger than men's brains, and those parts that are bigger house things like communication and mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, emotions and those kinds of things. And so we as women, we communicate very differently than men anyhow, right? And yeah. I just also want to say, like, we're talking very, like, men, women, very, you know, gender, um, yeah. but there's a yeah. binary here. And I know that there's, a, there's mm-hmm. very much a spectrum these days. Um, yet for the sake of this conversation, <laughs> we're kind of sticking with the binary. Um, but females, exactly, yeah. like, females have a rapport style of conversating, and men have a report. So men are analytical, they're fact-driven, they leave, you know, they're not the big storytellers and metaphors and those kinds of things. They are very kind of, like, direct, and they want to solve a problem and be done. Like, mm-hmm. and whereas women... They want to establish connections, and nego- that's how they negotiate relationships is in this rapport-building mm-hmm. conversation. And so we fear that we, because we already, we know that difference exists, right? Whether we know what to call it or mm-hmm. not, we know that difference exists. So we legitimately have the fear that we, because of our innate difference in style of communicating, that when we come to a man, that we're either going to have to bend and shift and change ourselves, or we aren't going to be fully received and understood and again more and more women are at least i'm hoping so this is the movement i'm starting to create and this is the work that i do is to help women Mm -hmm. be authentic and aligned and fearlessly and unapologetically like you know who they are at their core so they don't have to Mm -hmm. bend or shift or make excuses right that they find their voice they speak their truth 100 percent of the time and so i know for me like I do fear that men aren't going to understand because I kind of come in at a little bit of a different level. And because I do, you know, I'm an advanced EFT practitioner. EFT stands for emotional freedom technique. I am trained in different ways of communicating and like have pretty high emotional intelligence. And sometimes, you know, I don't want to solve a problem. I want to sit in the feelings. And that's not where men like to sit. In conversation, mm-hmm. they want to solve the problem and move on. And, um, you know, and often, too, like women, we we like to share our thoughts. We like to share our daily happenings. We like to have our feelings kind of shared and kind of, you know, oh, so-and-so is doing this, right? Like, that's how we build relationships. Whereas men just want to, like, come in, share the bare minimum details, and <laughs> they keep other stuff kind of more to themselves, right? And so we as mm-hmm. women, that can play on insecurities real easy for us women when we feel like men are either being secretive or not being, you know, honest or real or playing games. And I think what's going to serve men and women in relationships moving forward is when we start to understand these innate differences and build skills, kind of how to bridge those gaps, right? So for men, mm-hmm. that means kind of, getting a little more emotional intelligence, having a little more mm-hmm. patience, learning how to say, do you want me just to listen or do you want me to help you solve the problem, right? Because that is the biggest, I think, gap sometimes with men and women is women just want to gossip or vent or bitch, right? And the man <laughs> yeah. is busy looking for the problem to solve. And it's like, no, we just want you to listen. Like, we're totally capable of solving our own problems. So right now we just want you to listen. And men are often like, well, no, that's not my job. My job is to solve the problem. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, we really just want you to sit and listen. And so mm-hmm. that's where our fear comes from, is our fear comes from that we're always going to be mansplained to or that we're not going to be fully listened to and heard. So it's easier mm-hmm. just to be like, 
ah, forget it. You know, I'll, I'll take this to my girlfriends or I, you know, <laughs> I won't, I'm not even going to try to explain this because we recognize that we're kind of on that different level. And it's, some of it's just true in eat biology. That's not to say that men can't overcome it, but it is going to take, you know, some effort for sure. Good, good. We're actually, we're going to cut to our final break, Amanda, but I want to talk about that more about the mansplaining because I, I, I would like to hear more about that <laughs> from your perspective. I, when you said that, I was like, yes, let's talk about this. So we're going to go to a quick commercial break for our last one for the night, um, and then we'll come back on the conclusion for She Said What as we talk about greatest fears when dealing with men. We'll be back. Hey, I want to introduce you to something new. A new social media app for black and brown people of color, as well as non-black people who love and support the black community. The Melanin People's app is designed for individuals, entrepreneurs, and organizations can promote their brands to the community. This app was designed to promote our culture, our hard work, our resilience, our legacy, our brands our products, our services, our organizations, our businesses. You can tell stories of your favorite places in Africa, South Africa, West Africa, East Africa, Asia, West Indies, and the Caribbean. This is how it works. Step one, create your profile, personal or business. Step two, complete your profile. Step three, create your first post. Step four, click explore and find new people to follow. Step five, have a product service, skill, and talent you want people to find. Upload images and videos to your profile. For products, add your sales file, a backlink to your website, sales page, or online business destination. Enjoy your new community, Melanie people, connecting people of color. Good evening. Welcome back to She Said What. Of course, it's your host, Alan Newman Jr. And on tonight, my co-host was the lovely Amanda. We were talking today about greatest fears when dealing with men. Uh, for those that are listening and want to have a few words or a question, dial 515-602-9647 and press the number one so that we can acknowledge your call. Um, if you're listening on our website, the He Said What Radio Network, just t- type in your question or comment, and we'll read it on the air. Um, Amanda, we actually have someone who has a question um, for us, um, and it is, okay. why, are women, why are women not okay with being single or not having children and just enjoying a man's company? They always want to go to the next level without letting it naturally happen. Interesting. Huh. Well, I'm going to disagree because I am single and definitely, like, I'm 42 heading right to 43 and I don't have kids and I'm so okay with that. Um, and, again, women aren't a monolith, right? Like, no group is a monolith. So I can't speak for all women. But I think more and more there are women that are allowing things to unfold organically while there are still plenty of women that, yes, yeah, right? They, mm-hmm. again, and it comes down, we talked earlier in the show about how, men are socialized, right? That it's not even coddling, mm-hmm. it's just how society socializes. Well, in this, mm-hmm. for that question, this is often how women are socialized. We are socialized and we face a lot of pressure to get married and have babies. And because mm-hmm. it's what our grandmas did, our great grandmas, our mom, like, so that is something that has very much been socialized and pressured into women. And so a lot of times that is, that is a systemic and societal thing that has been kind of ingrained. And I'm not saying that mm-hmm. to make an excuse. Um, I'm saying it because yeah. it, it is. Again, it's that biological thing that kind of women have been hardwired to be the mothers, to be the nurturers, and that we are we want to do what we can to keep a partner around if we're going to be a mother because family success, survival and success rate is better with a, you know, a partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, again, mm-hmm. it's that kind of caveman reptilian brain <laughs> thinking that we <laughs> still have, right? Like our our mm-hmm. brain stems have not evolved that much since prehistoric times. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then society has just reinforced that of like, no, you want to get married and you want to have a, a baby. And look at, I mean, there's say yes to the dress. There's all those different, <laughs> you know, there's the bachelor, there's bachelorette, right? Like, we are inundated as a society that that's the norm, that we are, you know, supposed to get through school, whether that's high school or college or whatever that looks like, 
and then you find your husband and you get married and you have babies and then that's success right and there are more and more of us that are like no that doesn't define us that isn't how we define success that isn't the lifestyle that we want for ourselves but the bigger picture is that that is how we have been socialized and again society just continues to reinforce it with those things like i give the examples of the shows and and stuff like mm-hmm. that like so it continues to be reinforced so until we stop reinforcing that ideal we're not going to change that so again just like we need to stop reinforcing masculinity and allow those mm-hmm. behaviors that are harmful and make it dangerous for women we also need to make more space for women to feel like they have other options than pressuring men to be married and have babies and start families mm-hmm. 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 That, that's that's a good take um and and I and I also wonder because I'm kind of playing his question over in my head as well because um, he's saying just let it happen naturally. Um, I mean, it takes two to tango. It, it definitely takes two to right. tango. Um, I want I want to put the children all on the on the woman because one thing I hear everyone talk about: well, condoms suck, birth control suck, this suck, this suck. I want to go raw. I mean, you go raw, you get pregnant. That's on both of you. Um, Right. So I, I I I don't want that to feel like that's just on the women when it comes to children like that. Now I I definitely get right. the question about women not being okay with being single, but just to play devil's advocate, like you said, if you look at today's generation, there's a whole lot of women now that are like, yo, I can rock by myself. I, I got right. me a maintenance man. I laughed the first time a friend told me that. She's like, I got me a maintenance man who's on call when I need him, and and I'm and I'm single and I'm cool <laughs> with that. Um, <laughs> And, but the funny thing is, I think my question for us to the men then, are you going to be okay with that if you have that one particular woman in your life who she's just, as women say, men say, we're just going to see where it goes? What? How would it feel when the shoe's on the other foot? And she's telling right. you, we're going to see how it goes. And now you're sitting there like, man, now I don't fell for this girl. And she's like, we'll see how it goes because I, I don't know if this is what I want. Um, so I think, right. like, that was a – and for the person who asked that question, that's an amazing question. Um, but I also think we have to kind of look at it from two different perspectives because sometimes um, there's a saying, be careful what you ask for because you just might get it. Um, <laughs> and the last thing you want to do is get that one person who she lays it down, she's all of this, and now you're like, man, you know what? I didn't think I wanted to get married, but I think I want to now. And then you bring it up to her, and she's like, uh, yeah, no, that's not for me. Right. So, um, it's def- that was definitely a good question. It's definitely something um, to chew the fat off, like my dad used to say, um, in regards <laughs> to that. <laughs> well, uh, and now, I think now, go ahead, Amanda. Yeah. I'll say one last thing on that one. I think there's also a lot of women, again, we live in a society where women have also, and it's changing and it's shifting, and that's the work that I do. I help women, you know, believe in their badass self. But there are, unfortunately, those women that have been – socialized and kind of made to believe that they need that partnership. They need that to be successful and survive. And they also have been burned or hurt or scorned or used. Mm -hmm. And so they're looking for that reassurance that, you know, that kind of like, Hey, I need you to, you know, reassure me that I'm loved, that I'm safe, that I'm okay, that I'm worthy, that I'm of value. And, you know, that's where, again, we as a society need to have a shift in how we raise our young women to be confident, to be secure and independent, and to know that, you know, like, you don't have to have a partnership to be worthy and of value. But I'm not sure men are ready for that either. Again, be careful what you ask for, right? Because if we raise exactly. all of our young women to be independent, you know, <laughs> and not need a man, then where you, like, what are you going to do then? <laughs> And, and it's, so, it's very true, and and I feel like you see that especially when two parent households. Because I saw it with my dad, with my sister, he used to always say, "I want it to be that when she's grown, she has her own house, her own car." So if any man sits there and talk about this, what I have to offer, she can say, "Well, you got to come with something better than that." And right. and then it becomes an interesting. It comes like a power struggle because now it's like guy comes because he's been told you got to have all this stuff together in order to get the love and affection and to garner that woman to you. But you have all of that, and now she has all of that, and she's looking at you like, yeah, bro, nah, this, that ain't it. That's not enough. Like, what else you have? So, so it's very, it's right. very interesting um, when you 
hear the dynamics. Like, we as a society, like, it's so many things that have to be unpacked and misconstrued and untangled when it comes to relationships and it comes to the dialogue between men and women. So, I mean, you make very good um, points on that. And my final, my final note, um, Amanda, before I um, have you go ahead and tell everyone how they can follow you and any future projects you have, with the mansplaining, how do women truly feel about the mansplaining? Because women always say they do not like it, and either our ears are clogged or we have certain women in our circles that are telling us that they like it, even though we're hearing a majority of other women saying that is not something that is appealing to them. How do you really feel about mansplaining when it comes to issues that you deal with as a woman? Because I feel like that's when mansplaining pops up is whenever we're talking about something that solely women would understand because they are women. Right. Um, I definitely don't like it. It's a huge turnoff. In fact, like, if you're a mansplainer, I, I have no time, energy, or patience um, for that because I'm an educated woman and I don't need somebody speaking to me in a condescending or patronizing manner. And there's times where, you know, it happens innocently enough, like, you know, that's not their intent. But then you get those men that that is just, like, that is how they go through the world and they are so oblivious to it until somebody, like, points it out to them. Um, But we as women, like, we face it in the workplace. We face it at home. We face it in, you know, friendships. We face it so many places. And it gets exhausting because what it does is it takes away our position as authority in anywhere. Like, and... We as humans, we want to be seen as authorities in our own lives. We want to have sovereignty. We want to have be treated with dignity and worth. And what happens when we as women face continual mansplaining, it chips away at that. And it's really frustrating. And so we're going to set bigger boundaries or we're going to, you know, like pull back from certain interactions. And we just, yeah, we lose our patience with it because it is really frustrating to have kind of that authority or that sovereignty and that, like, trust that we we can understand things and that we are mm-hmm. possible, uh, like, we have the ability to be authorities and intellectual beings. Um, it's just, it's not a good look. I'll leave it at that. It's just not a good look. Mm-hmm. No, you're definitely correct, and I definitely appreciate that, Amanda. Um well, listeners, before we wrap up, um, I'm going to have Amanda give us some of her information so you can follow her on social media platforms um, and hear about any future endeavors and uh, what she does. So, Amanda, can you please let us know how we can follow you um, in any future projects or endeavors that you have coming up? Yes. So I do work mostly with the ladies. Sorry, fellas. Um, so <laughs> any women that are listening, I would love to have you join in. I actually have a workshop coming up on Monday, June 28th at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And that workshop's called Awakening Awareness to Achieve Authentic Alignment. So it's how you can kind of tap into that inner voice and start to live a life of um, really being authentically aligned with who you are at your core. You can find that on Eventbrite. So that, again, is next Monday um, at 5.30 p.m., Awakening Awareness to Achieve Authentic Alignment. And then in August, I have a two-day online retreat coming up, and we're going to take that another level. We're going to dig in even deeper, and it's called Discover Your Inner Badass Self. So we're going to do some of that interpersonal work, some journaling, some other activities. I'm also an advanced EFT tapping practitioner, so we're going to do some tapping going to be two days of just really magical juicy goodness and that's august 20th and 21st and the easiest way to find out about all these events is to actually follow me on instagram and my handle on instagram is value yourself counseling and then i have my campsite bio link in my bio on um, instagram so you can find all the things i'm offering there and then again for women i also have a facebook group so if you want to join a Facebook group where you get to be 100% yourself 100% of the time and watch other badass women do the same, it's called Badass Women Breaking Barriers. And that, again, is a Facebook group. So those are kind of the awesome. various ways to find me. And, again, like I said, sorry, fellas, I'm mostly for the ladies. <laughs> and that's just because, again, I work, I work with emotional wellness and health. And right now I feel like women are going to be a lot more ready and willing to sign up for what I have to offer, but that doesn't mean 
I won't have offers for men down the road. Perfect, perfect. Thank you, Amanda. We appreciate it. Um, Guy, thanks for being on She Said What. You can follow me while listening next Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at um, Newman underscore junior underscore 2.0 or Facebook at Alan M. Newman Jr. as well. Looking forward to seeing talking to you guys on next week as next week's episode is Past Relationships Residue. Looking forward to talking to you guys next week. Be great and have a wonderful, wonderful Wednesday. Thank you for supporting the He Said What radio network. Please be sure to check out the website where you can find more of our shows on sports coverage, music showcases, and entertainment. Are you interested in giveaways? Sign up today to receive special members-only giveaways by visiting www.hesaidwhatnetwork.com now.